0: So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're feeling some of what I'm feeling, and you're weary. That life is not the way that you want it to be. You are suffering, there is heartbreak, and there is trouble. And, and really, that's what this passage is speaking about this morning. It's what Paul is speaking to. What, what do we do when our life is not the way we want it to be, where it feels like we cannot go on? And I know I felt that. There's been points in my life where, where just the cry of my heart's been, God, what are you doing? Is this really what life is all about? Is this all there is? And I'm broken, and I don't know what the path is moving forward. And again, that is what Paul is speaking about this morning. If you remember uh, Pastor Jared's message last week, there, there's this this uh, series of verses where it repeats: "just uh, sh- uh, struck down, but not destroyed; I, I'm I'm broken, but not defeated." And and that's what his message is. While life is hard, while there is heartbreak, we have hope. And so, uh, kind of the takeaway that we're going to this morning is what does god have for us or what is our hope when life is hard and challenging and so there's three points i want us to go through this morning here's what they are temporary versus eternal long for eternity and live for eternity temporary versus eternal so we need to know the difference what are we living for is it temporary or is it eternal we need to not just know the difference but we need to long for eternity And not just long for it, not just have our eyes focused on it, but live for it. Temporary versus eternal, long for eternity, live for eternity. And so let's start with the first point this morning, temporary versus eternal. And it's from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. This is what it says. So we do not lose heart Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so Paul starts here and he says, do not lose hope. Do not lose heart. And if you're in the middle of suffering right now, don't lose heart. Your outer self might be wasting away. You might feel like you're being defeated. He says, do not lose heart. And if you're in the midst of suffering right now and it feels overwhelming, you're in the midst of heartbreak, you might push back to what Paul's saying here and says, hey, it's too late. It's too late. I am heartbroken. The cancer diagnosis, it's too much. I don't know how I'm going to face it. whatever's going on, my job loss, my financial situation, my marriage, I don't know if I can do one more day. It doesn't seem like it's going to last the night. And what he's saying here is not to lighten your pain, not to say, hey, it doesn't matter. Push through it. That's not what he's saying. He's not diminishing your pain. But what he is saying is that there's more to life than this what you're facing in front of you your hardship your suffering there's more to life than this and he says so take heart don't lose hope because there's more to life than this and why we know that is if you look at this passage passages there's some key comparisons and I've bolded some of those comparisons in this passage That Paul goes through and tries to explain, hey, there's more to life than what you see right in front of you. And he starts with this comparison of our outer self wasting away compared to our inner self being renewed day by day. So our outer self, what he's doing is a comparison between the physical body and, and what is spiritual. Physical to what is spiritual, temporary to what is eternal. And and if you're honest, like the older you get, the the more you're like, yeah, my my outer body is wasting away. Like my my joke when I was 20, I was like, who goes to the doctor? Like what a waste of money. Why would you do that? And now I'm like, I play basketball and I can barely walk up the stairs the next morning. Like my body is wasting away. I feel uh, defeated. And what he's saying here is, yeah, on the outside, Your physical body, on the outside, it may look like you're defeated. It may look like you have nothing going for you. Your body is breaking down. You feel it every moment of every day. The world might look at you and say, not successful. He has nothing going for him. She's got nothing going for her. But what he's saying is that is not all there is. The physical troubles of life, your body deteriorating, that is not all that life is about. And he reminds us that there's this spiritual component that God is renewing us spiritually day by day. And so he's not again diminishing your suffering, diminishing your hardship, but what he is saying here is that our hardship is not wasted. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. What you are going through is not wasted. That it, that it this is not all there is, but God uses it to renew you spiritually to make you in his image. What he's talking about here is sanctification that through our troubles, through our hardships, God can use it to make us more into his character, to make you into the man or woman that God created you to be. It is not wasted. And he goes on here into verse 17. And he has the second comparison. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Then you can read that and hear. He's making my suffering light and momentary affliction. And and what God is not doing here, he's not saying your pain doesn't matter. He's not saying he doesn't care about it. It's quite the opposite. I I need you to hear this. God cares about what you're going through. God cares about your heartbreak, your pain, what you're you're feeling right now of, of, man, I don't know if I can go on another day. God not only knows about it, but God cares about it. What this is saying is not that he doesn't care, but the point of this verse is he's saying the eternal weight of glory is so important, is so awesome that your suffering, no matter how bad the hardships of this life, no matter how bad, pale in comparison, they are light and momentary compared to the awesomeness of the eternal weight of glory. And what God's talking about here when we say eternal weight of glory is eternal life. That there is more to life than the 70, 80 odd years that you have on this earth. But there's eternity in Christ Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've put your faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. What God is promising you is that this is not it. But there's something better coming. Fullness of life. Something that you were ultimately created for. An eternity with the presence of God, no more sin, no more death, no more physical decay, but perfection beyond all comparison. It is better and it's so good, in fact, that the biggest troubles of this life seem light and momentary compared to the awesomeness of what is to come. And he goes on through the rest of this passage, and he says, "Well, what we focus on is what is seen, but we need to focus on what is unseen. And when you are in the midst of suffering, and maybe that's you right now, your suffering seems like the only thing that you can focus on. The only thing right in front of you. It's like a mountain right in front of your face. You cannot see around it. But what God is saying here is that what is in front of you, what is temporary, the troubles of this life... Feel like it's all that you can see, but what is most important, what is what your life is really about, what is far better, is what is what is unseen, spiritual, eternal, what God has for you and said. Uh, what is seen is temporary, it's transient, it does not last, but what is unseen is eternal. It will last, it is far better, it is for eternity, and it's the things of God and what God has created you for. And for eternal life with him one is far better than the other and we do this all the time if you are honest if you if you looked at your life and you examined it which one are you living for are are you living for tomorrow are you living for what is temporary maybe that's comfort success your reputation Or are you living for what is eternal, what will last past the 70, 80 years of your life? If you're lucky, what are you living for? And again, we do it all the time. The best example I can think of is with weddings. We love weddings, right? And I I was a former youth pastor, and so my students now are getting married. And one of the the bits of advice I give them uh, when I talk to them is make sure you spend more time on your marriage, prepping for your marriage, than you do for your wedding day. Seems like simple advice, right? But it's actually really hard for us. We're, we're obsessed with a wedding day. And if you're married right now, or, or getting married this summer, I'm sorry. I, I, this, this might uh, trigger you a little bit. But we spend all this time and all this money for this one day, for 12 hours, and want it to be perfect. You've been thinking about it since you've been little. It's going to be the best party of your life. Um, and it never goes perfectly anyway. But we spend all this time and all this money on it. And what happens is, in the midst of that, sometimes we forget what this wedding is even about. We forget that it's two broken people coming together, committing to self-sacrifice for one another, and that we are committing to live for Jesus together. And that gets lost in the shuffle because we want this one day to be perfect. And and sometimes that consequence shifts into our marriage, and it impacts the health of our marriage for those first couple years because we aren't prepared we didn't do the, the legwork. And so we make our marriage about a wedding day instead of about a marriage. We live for a temporary day instead of what should be the rest of our lives. And we miss it. But we do that with our lives as well. We say, hey, we live for our temporary 70, 80 years, things that will not last, things that will disappoint us and will not satisfy us. And at the end of our lives, when we get to eternity, we're like, oh, I missed it. There's something more. There was things that I could have lived for that would have been better for eternity, and I missed it. And what I want you to hear is this. A wedding day matters. Right? If you've been married, a wedding day matters. It's an important day. But a wedding day matters because of what a wedding points to. It, It matters because it's about your marriage. Of what it symbolizes. Your life today, your temporary life today matters, but it matters because of what it points to, of what, what it's looking forward to, what it's, what it's created to, to draw our eyes to, and that's to eternity. There is something far better, eternity. And why we struggle with this is I think a lot of times we make our idols out of what's temporary. It's easy, right? And, and, and if you're honest, if you think through it, you know what that thing is. We all slip into, what do I desire to live for when I'm not focused on Jesus? Mine's comfort. Like, that's the easy one. I like to joke, I come from a long line of sitters. We like to rest. We like to be comfortable. Maybe you're like me. It's easy. Like, if I, if I go on sabbatical, it's not going to be hard for me. I would love to rest. But what's yours? What's yours? Right? Is it is it success? Is it reputation? Is it money? Is it building something here that at the end of your life will not matter? It will be burned up. It will disappear with you. Or is it something that's eternal instead? Temporary versus eternal. There is more to life than this. And that's what God wants us to get from this passage. You might be in suffering, but that is not all there is. There's more to life than this. And it brings us to our second point this morning. We not, not only need to know that eternity exists, we need to long for it. It needs to be in the back of our mind. When life disappoints us, when it's not the way we want it to be, we need to long for it, look forward to it, remember it. And it comes here from verses uh, chapter five, verses one through four. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we'd be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life." And how Paul starts here is he says, your physical body, your outer self is like a tent. It's wasting away. It will be destroyed. It will not last. And everybody has two responses to that. You're like, okay, please, I know it is broken. Replace it. Give me that heavenly body. Like, I need it today. Can we hurry this up? Or you say, hey, please don't talk about death. That makes me uncomfortable, and we avoid it at all costs, right? You're, you're one of two people But we need to talk about this because God's word does. And I hate to break it to you, but your physical body will not last. It is a tent. It will be destroyed. It will not last you for eternity. But he says, God has a really great promise for us here. If you're in Jesus, he says, but your physical body will not last. But I have a heavenly body for you. Something not made by human hands, something that will not be touched by sin or death or decay. All right, your outer body's being uh, wasted away right now, but in eternity, that eternal weight of glory that we talked about earlier, something better is coming. That, that nagging pain, that nagging illness that you will have for the rest of your life, it will not be there. My knee pain from basketball will not be there. Something better is coming. A body that you were ultimately created for. Again, not touched by sin, not touched by death and decay. And it says here, our body groans. Longing to put on something better and you feel it every day. That, that we were met for something more. That the world is not as it was meant to be, evil, sin, and death. And it compares our body here to being naked. That we're exposed, laid bare. It is uncomfortable. And I think if we're honest, we would say a lot of times that's how it feels physically. But what our heavenly body is like, it's like being clothed for the first time. That you were warm that you were safe, that you were protected. And I don't know about you guys, but this winter was one of the worst sick moments of my family's existence. And so maybe you had a really sick winter as well, but uh, part of it's because of my young kids. So I had a kindergartner and a preschooler in school at the same time. So my house is, is like a Petri dish. Like it was, it was a mess. And I had this moment this winter It was, it had to be one of the low points of my life. I was, let's just say I had some uh, intestinal distress going on and it was the middle of the night, like three in the morning and I was laying on my bathroom floor and I was just like pleading with God, like, God, please make this stop. If you need to take me home, like, that's fine. I'll go just take care of my wife and kids. But like, I've had enough. I can't go on any longer. Like it was, it was a broken point. And, and maybe you've experienced this. But the, the only solace God gave me in this moment was the cold winter tile on my feverish face. And I was like, oh, this is enough, God. This is, I can make it through now. <laughs> and if you have experienced that, I'm sorry. It was awful. But that's what I think about of this groaning. This is not all there is. We're meant for more. And I long for a heavenly body, a stomach that does not get sick. Right, A a body that isn't touched by sin and death, that isn't every day getting worse and closer to death. We long for it. And what I love about how verse 4 ends, and you might have missed it because it's it's just so quick here. It says this, what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And part of our problem here, and part of why we make idols of what is temporary, we say, This life, the 70, 80 years that are in front of you, we're like, this is what life's about. This is what it's all about. This is ultimate. This is awesome. And what God's word is telling us here, this, what is mortal, this 70, 80 years, it matters. But what fullness of life is, what real life is, what you were ultimately created for, uh, living, dwelling alongside God in the flesh, living eternally without sin or death is in heaven with Jesus. That is what life is. That's what fullness of life is. And our souls, our bodies, groan and long for it because we were not made for this. We were not made to lay on a bathroom floor in distress. We weren't made for our bodies to decay, but for more, for fullness of life. And I want to read a few quotes for us here. The first one is from Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, you've probably heard of. He's a famous missionary, but he's he's, uh, famous for this quote which says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he's famous because he lived this out. Jim Elliott was willing to give up his comfort. He was willing to, to leave his home, to leave where he grew up, to take his family to a place that was uncomfortable. And he went to a remote tribe in Ecuador to translate the Bible, to give the gospel, tell people about Jesus that have never heard about it. And he lived this out because he went to this remote tribe And they killed him. And he gave up everything. And Jim Elliot was not disappointed. Because what he said is, I gave up what is temporary. I gave up something that I could not keep. Something that I could not take with me. What is not what my life is ultimately about. And I gave it up for something eternal. Living for Jesus. Something that does matter at the end of my life. And what's really cool about his story is his wife stayed. His wife stayed at that tribe in Ecuador. The the missionaries stayed along with her, and they did translate the gospel, and uh, people in that tribe came to know Jesus. There are actually still believers in that tribe today because of Jim Elliot, because of what God did through him. Temporary versus eternal. His eyes were focused not on what's in front of him, but what was on eternity. Pastor Jared mentioned Tim Keller last week, and if if you're familiar with him, you know he passed within the last week or so. And I want to read for us a quote that he said to his family moments before he passed away. This is what he said: "He said there is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest." And I hear that, and I'm and I, I like to trick myself and think, yeah, that's what I would say on my deathbed. Yeah, like hey, there's no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I, I hope that's what I say. I hope that's what you say, but I think if I'm honest, I'd be wrestling with, oh, give me one more year, I wanna do this thing. I wanna enjoy this aspect of life. Or or maybe it's my selfishness, and I'd say, or, or like my, my ego and my pride, and I'd say, God, hey, you need me, give me more time to do this. Let me finish this work. But that's not what Tim Keller does here. He says, there's no downside to me leaving not in the slightest. How can he say that? The only way you can say that is if your eyes are focused not on what, what this life can give for you. Not on what's temporary, but what is eternal instead. You know, Tim Keller, I, you know, I look up to him a lot. God's used him in my life a lot, but he's not perfect. But one thing he did well at the end of his life is not longing for what is temporary, not longing for what is not ultimate life, but longing to be with his Savior in eternity. Longing for what God ultimately created him for, this eternal weight of glory. And that needs to be our posture as well. Are we living for, are we longing for more of eternity with God? Or are we caught up in what is temporary, what is fleeting, what will not last? And so again, the question, what are you longing for? What are your eyes focused on? Is it what is temporary, what is fleeting, what will not last you, or instead what is for eternity? It brings us to our last point this morning. We can't just long for eternity. We can't just have it in the back of our mind. We can't just know it's going to happen. We need to live for it as well. It needs to change our hearts the way we live. And it comes from verses five through 10 in chapter five. He has prepared us For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. When I was reading the first part of this passage, before this, this uh, section here, I had two main questions. The questions were this. How do I know that I will receive this eternity that God's promised? How, that's, a, that's a huge ask. Like, How do I know this will happen? And second... If my life is ultimate, the the fullness of life is eternity, does this life matter at all? And Paul answers it really clearly in this passage. In verse 5, he says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So what is in front of you? Your suffering, your hardship, your life, know this, God has prepared you for it. Your suffering, your life, it is not a surprise to God. He created you. He's wired you. He's given you the life that he's given you. He has prepared you for it. And part of the way scripture said he's prepared you and equipped you for it is the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you come to faith, put your faith in Jesus for salvation, Part of what scripture says is the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, to live inside of you. The Spirit of God is with you to empower you, to encourage you, to help you to obey God. And so you are not alone in your midst of your suffering. But it's more than that. What he says here is that the Spirit of God is a guarantee. What is it a guarantee of? It is a guarantee of your salvation. And the eternal life, the eternal weight of glory that this passage is talking about. How do you know that you will receive it? How do you know that it will be there? Because God has given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. It will not disappoint. And So I want you to think of the Holy Spirit as a down payment. So compare it to a time you've made a down payment, a down payment on a car, a down payment on a house. You put a lump sum of money down so much that it hurts, right? So you'll, it never makes sense for you not to pay it off. And it's a promise that you will pay the rest of it off. But it's also a promise that one day this house or car will be yours. And in some sense, the car and house is already yours. But the fullness of you receiving that will be later. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us. It is a down payment of your salvation, promise of this eternal life that you'll receive with Jesus. Uh it's a, a, a you you receive or you feel part of the salvation God's given you, but the fullness of it you'll experience later. But the cool thing about it is you aren't the one making the down payment, God is right? Because it's dependent on what God has done. Your salvation isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on him. And so we can trust that it will be completed because God is the one that's done it. It's a promise, a foreshadowing of, Hey, you have a taste of your salvation now in the spirit, but you will receive all of it in eternity, the eternal weight of glory. And he goes on and he says, obviously, obviously we'd love to be away from the body now. It is hard. We are suffering. But we can take courage because this is not all there is. That there's more to life. And so while we're here in the body, we're going to live to aim to please God. That's verse 9. So your life does matter now. What God has for you now in this temporary life, these 70, 80 years, is to live, to aim, to please Him. And verse 10 is important here. It's challenging. He says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due Him for what He's done in the body, whether good or bad. And so, what I need you to know here, this is a judgment, but it's a judgment for believers. And what this is a judgment of, it's not a judgment of your salvation because the Holy Spirit has already guaranteed that, is a judgment of how you live your life today. What does that look like? Are you living for Jesus? Are you living for eternity? Or what's temporary? And so I want you to think about it like a yearly review. But you've got to take some of this out of it, like a yearly review for your job. So when you do that for a job... You get caught up and you think, okay, oh, hey, how do I get a promotion? How do I get a bonus? How do I get all of these things? But picture it as a job that is perfect. You were uniquely made for it. And your, your aim, your chief goal is to please your boss to do a perfect job at your work. And so at the end of your job, you're not trying to receive anything from Jesus. At the end of your life, when you sit before him, what you're trying to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you living for what's eternal? Are you living for what's temporary? Is your life lived to aim to to please Jesus? And I think if we're honest, we don't think about verse 10 very often, that we will sit before Jesus at the end of our lives. And so I want to challenge you. What does it look like to live your life this week with the aim of solely pleasing God? What would need to change? What would your life need to look like? And to help us even process that, I want to turn uh, to a video clip. We've shown it before, uh, but I think it's really helpful to, to give us this idea. So let's turn our attention to the screen here. This pin, two people. This is gold, two more people. It would have given me two more. at least one. It would have given me one, one more. One more person. Person, stand for this. I could have got one more person, and I did. I I, I did. So if you haven't seen that, that's Schindler's list. And, and why I showed you that clip is uh, Schindler is a wealthy businessman in World War II, and he uses his wealth to save Jewish people uh, from death camps in Poland. And the, the, the scene you just saw is at the end of World War II, he looks at the possessions he's kept, what is temporary, what will not last. and He says, oh, why did I keep this? Why did I live for this thing? It, it It could have been so much more. It could have saved this amount of people. I could have done more. And why I showed you that clip is at the end of your life, I don't want you to have a Schindler's moment. Where you you knew your life was for eternity and instead you live for temporary idols. And and at the end of your life before Jesus, you said, oh, I, I should have lived for more. I could have done more. God had these things for me to do, to glorify him, to live for eternity. Don't have that Schindler's moment. Instead, hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's live for more. We've heard uh, three points this morning. Temporary versus eternal. Long for eternity and live for eternity. We need to not just know that eternity is going to happen. We need to uh, cast out our idols of what is temporary, our comfort, our power, our our um, reputation, all those things. We need to cast them aside and say, eternity will happen. We need to know it. We need to believe it. But more than that, we need to long for it. We need to remember it, that our eyes and all of our actions need to be thinking ahead of what is coming after. The fullness of life. That right now, what is right in front of us is not the fullness, but God has created you for a a life without sin, without death, in his presence, the fullness of all that you've desired in Christ Jesus. And lastly, we need to just not long for it, we need to live for it, because uh, Jesus is worthy of our worship that the eternal weight of glory of what God's promised us is worth it, that he is the only thing at the end of your life that will not leave you in despair, that will not fail you, that will last for eternity. And so let's live for him. Even as our theme for this year, let's live on mission. You might feel weak, you might feel defeated, you might feel like your outer body is wasting away, but God can give you strength through weakness to make a purpose of your life, to use you for eternal purposes, for his glory and for your good. So let's live for eternity. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I pray that you would continue to speak through your word this morning, that you would... God, that you would give us comfort in the midst of life, that it's hard, that it's not the way we want it to be, that we're despairing in it, Lord, but as we are broken, that we'd think ahead, that we'd look to you and we'd find hope, that we would take courage, that we'd not lose heart because what you have for us is fullness of life. What you have for us is far better. And so when life doesn't measure up, Lord, help us to trust you and lean on you and find fullness in you. In Jesus' name, amen.